Welcome into the Irish NFL show week 11 later this evening, Monday Night Football, Sunday Night Football even, and then Monday Night Football of course. Delighted to have Andrew Morgan with me for this particular podcast. We're going to discuss leading contenders at this stage of the season in terms of the NFC and AFC. Andrew, great to have your company as always. No problem, thanks for having me again Brian. Yeah, we've taken, a, I suppose, a little bit of a, a detour away from what I normally do, which is our Thursday night preview. Uh, Colin had a very intriguing interview with Mo Egger, who covers the covers the Bengals, which went out a few days ago. So uh, I suppose this gave us an opportunity to kind of look at some of the teams and the leading teams in both the NFC and AFC. On Monday night, I'm going to start there because Monday night, I, I was trying to wrap my brains around the fact that when's the last time two teams immediately played each other the following season that played each other in the Super Bowl? And where they came is the important terms of the schedule, the importance of it, because both teams essentially right now are in the number one seeding. I mean, we couldn't have asked for a better game on Monday Night Football or a bigger game. Who, for you, is in the stronger position going into this one? Because I've read so many different reports this week around who should be kind of comfortable going into this game. Yeah, it's it's a strange one because <clears throat> you look at both teams, they both have very strong records. Um, Philadelphia Eagles are 8-1, are they're kind of leading the way in the in the NFC and Kansas are doing well in the AFC but you look at them both and they really are trying to like there's 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 problems and there's there's been roadblocks and bumps in the road that they've had to kind of like overcome the last um the last few weeks pretty much all the way through the season Kansas seem to be trying to really kind of identify re-identify themselves on offense um I mean, we're at the point where if Taylor Swift isn't at a game, Travis Kelsey doesn't appear to uh, to play very well. And there's there's that ridiculous statistical anomaly. But you can see that with the wide receivers that they have, they just aren't having the same success that they've had uh, in recent years. Obviously, we, we know that they lost... Um, um, Juju Schuster? Yeah, they, 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 are, they lost Juju. Obviously, he um, he moved away. They've, uh, they lost their receiver to Miami as well, whose name... Tony Kill. Why am I drawing a blank? It's half past eight on a Thursday night. Um, and it's been a real struggle for them this season um, for, to, to do things. I was uh, reading some stats for, for Philadelphia this, this morning where their front seven and the, the pressure they get is top of the league and then their, their DBs and what they're able to do is almost bottom of the league. So both teams are really trying to reestablish what their identity is and who they are as they get ready for the postseason that they're both going to be um, going to be very heavily featured in. Yeah, this is the thing. I, mean, I was reflecting on the game. I haven't been there in Germany two weeks ago. Four, four, four stones in the second half for the Chiefs. Didn't score in the entirety of the second half. Peter King did an NBC interview immediately after the game and he kept reflecting on how poor the offense was and he kept promising to get it right. And we've seen in the past, no matter how many times you keep promising it, it just doesn't materialize. And it's, it very much is a defense-led Chiefs right now. And like it's not the counter around the possibility that brings them all the way to the Vegas and the Super Bowl. We have seen defensively minded teams get to the Super Bowl and ultimately win it because sometimes defense, as I say, wins championships. But it's hard to see how that can continue with the trend around. They're going to be the real test in this game for me because I can see the Eagles, despite how well the Chiefs defense played putting up pointy. I'm not going to suggest it's a shootout, but they're going to have to be in a position for me to at least be putting up 27 to 30 points to win this game. Would you, would you run with that? Or do you think it's, we, we could be surprised and we could see a low-scoring affair? I, th- I think trying to predict the, the Chiefs will score five, six touchdowns in a game is, you need to see it a few times before you can really pin your hopes on it in, in a game. Um, 
And yeah, you, you look at, I think we've spoken about it previously as well. You look at Andy Reid and, and that Hall of Fame career as a head coach and, and play caller that he's established. He wants to pass. He wants 40 or 50 passes a game. He uses the running game, but doesn't feature it as much as, he, um, as other coaches and other philosophies would. And that's a real problem at the moment when you have Justin Watson has now a starting receiver. MBS is a speedster, but doesn't really do much in terms of his route running. Rasheed Rice has really come to the fore, but they were in a position where they had to go back and trade for McCall Hardman for someone who knew the system and could be integrated in. Uh, Kadarius Tony has been um, has been hurt. You you look at that passing attack and it's not what they want to do and it's not how they want to run their games and it's essentially over the the course of the um, of the season they're trying to figure out how they play offense when they can't um, they can't torch teams through the air. Um, that's that and that's been a real challenge for them. You look at the receiving highs. If you take Travis Kelsey's big games against the Chargers and Denver out of uh, the equation in week six and seven, they haven't had a, re- a 100-yard receiver over the course of um, the year. And obviously they had their bye week, but in the game against Miami, their highest receiver had 34 yards um, when they won 21-14. And that's just not the Chiefs that we're used to. So yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting because you know the Eagles have got that front four. You know they're going to be rotating their guys through and bringing that pressure. It's going to be a real challenge for the Chiefs. In terms of the teams that are kind of lurking in the in, in behind them, I'll start with the NFC side of things. The Lions are in the second seed right now. I know it's still early in terms of where we're going to get to come the season end. And you really buy into the fact that they'll stay there and if the Eagles were to lose on, on Monday night um, to give them an opportunity to essentially tie the records, if, you're assuming they take care of business against a, a bear side that are struggling. Ultimately, I think these two games against the Vikings late December going into early January are also what's going to decide it because the way the Vikings are playing at the moment with the Joshua Jobs experience, it could continue as obviously they've got a tough game in Sunday Night Football. Like everybody expected the Lions to be great this season. I didn't think they'd win the division. I thought the Vikings would still find a way. But are they getting to a stage now where we have to respect them and take them seriously? Because like, without, I know people kind of have give out about the charges and the frauds, but the, it was more for me the manner of how they got that game over the line last week. It was a shootout. It probably felt like whoever had the ball last was going to win. But they don't miss a beat. They come back off the bye week and they're straight into it offensively. And Gibbs now is starting to kind of tra- transition to that kind of running back they expected in the draft. Are they, for real, it's probably a bit too harsh, but they're, are they still serious contenders right now? Yeah, I think one of the the things that they're going to look back on in terms of their season before the bye was that loss against Baltimore where they got completely shut down. They came up against an AFC powerhouse and they had a, a look in the mirror game where it's like, well, this is what we have to be able to do. I mean, we saw it with Jacksonville and San Francisco this week. You look at someone who you think is a contender, they go up against a real contender. You're like, oh, we've got a bit of work to do uh, before we um, before we get to the postseason. And it's really good that obviously they... Um, they beat the Raiders and got just down the fire um, and then came back and were able to win that shootout. So you know that they're going to be in that position where you, if you score 35, we're going to we're going to do our best to score 36. They've, they're young on defense. They've got Aiden Hutchinson and, and not a lot else. So they're putting all their eggs in that basket of, well, we're just going to come out and score a shed load of points and see what you can do as a result of it. Um, we When we spoke to the Detroit Lions beat rider, Obviously, he was raging, uh, raving about uh, 
Jared Goff and how his progression has has really invigorated the Lions. And yeah, they're, they're look at, they're in a position now where you've got Dan Campbell, who is a fantastic motivator, someone who is going to risk it and put the decisions on the line for them because he trusts what they're able to do. And the team are really reacting to it in a positive way. Brad Holmes' selection last April in the draft, uh, obviously two first-rounders, two second-rounders, and, you know, Jameer Gibbs is starting to kind of play well. Jack Hammond has been consistent throughout the course of the season. The two second-rounders for me have been really impressive. So, like, tied in Sam Laporte is essentially a key cog in the wheel now on the offense, and then you got to, to you know, de-back de- her safety, as, as mo- most people call him, in, in Brian Branch, all of which have stepped in and immediately contributed. It's like a huge piece where you get four or five players coming from the draft. We saw it last year with Seattle. And Seattle made the playoffs because they, they obviously recognized what they brought in. And straight away, the Lions guys, they, they are just transitioning. They're transitioning into the league so quickly. It's very impressive. And the GM really seems to, you know, he's in lockstep with Dan Campbell. Yeah, absolutely. You, you look at the team and you go, right, you've got Jimmy Gibbs, Martin Marceline Brown, fifth round pick. Um, Jameson Williams, the first round pick who's come back on suspension. Uh, Sam Laporta, Penny Sewell, you start to just list all of these draft picks as you go through the, the roster. And that's how you can turn a first or like a, a, a top five consistent overall pick kind of team and you turn them into a team that is now competing. You scout well, you evaluate, you bring in the players that epitomize the bite in the kneecaps kind of mentality that Dan Campbell wanted to have his team um, play like. And now they're They've turned it around in the same way that other teams have in the past. You look at what Cincinnati were able to do with their high draft picks with Burrow and Jamar Chase and then really turn that around as well. It's it's a really simple formula if you think about it. If you draft well and they fit your system, you're going to become a good team off of it. And they've done really well in, in kind of putting all of that together. In terms of the Niners, they haven't had the three losses and then they obviously get their bye week. It kind of felt like the bye week came at a perfect time for them. They go in and put a really dominant performance in last week, essentially kind of reminding us of the Niners in which we saw at the early part of the season. But a lot of people have the Niners to go to the Super Bowl this year. Are you still um, are you comfortable where they're at for in the morning? They had those three losses. It may be in a way it kind of helped them to have the losses to kind of bring them back down a little bit because kind of reflecting on what we've done over the course of this season, which is we, we put the bills up there. You know, before we obviously, us two went and covered the game in London and then obviously they went on a bit of a poor run. The Spartan Islanders were being put up there as worthy favourites. They've had three to the losses that come off the right side. Are they, have they turned the corner? Like They're going to play the books on a Sunday night in Santa Clara. You would expect them to have more than enough, to, you know, to deal with Baker Mayfield and co. But are they, are they primed to make a run at this stage of the season? It seems like they're getting all their players back with maybe with the exception of Trent Williams at the moment. I think so. It's it's interesting in terms of the division where they've still got to play Seattle twice. Um, Arizona uh, in week 15 are going to be useful if Kyler Murray's playing because if he's healthy and he's running around and he's throwing the ball, then he's going to be able to do things there. They've, they've got Baltimore still to come as well. Um, unfortunately, I don't think that uh, the Tampa Bay are going to be putting up much of a fight on Sunday, so I'm quite glad that I'll be, uh, I'll be fast asleep probably by the time that game's on. But... Sorry, go on, yeah, go on. Yeah, I was going to jump into the AFC side of things. Obviously, we'll have had the Thursday night game at, at this stage when the Steelers step onto the field in Cleveland again to face the Browns and haven't been sold on the Steelers all year, but yet they're six and three. And this game for me is, I don't know whether it's just falling into a situation where, and we see it time and time again, teams just get the look at the right time. And by, what I mean by that is 
going into this game, I looked at it earlier in the weekend and go, okay, they're just six and three, but they're going to have a real struggle on Sunday going up against this Browns defense. And I still believe they will, but Sean Watson was 14 to 14 in the second half last week. He's now essentially gone for the season. They're running with the, the their rookie quarterback as opposed to going with PJ Walker. And the Steelers getting the Browns in a strangely enough in a, at the right time to, to win this game. And if they do win this game, seven and three, I mean, it's like anything, momentum breeds, breeds momentum and then they continue to rack up the wins. How do you see this game transpiring, bearing in mind it's a rookie quarterback? I think this is going to be another one of those games for the purists. Uh, we're going to see defense and punting um, going on because, yeah, you, Cleveland are, are a bit like what the New York Jets were um, in at the start of the season when Aaron Rodgers went down. It's like, well, you're the the defense is what's going to be um, helping us win games. This is what you guys have got to go out and do. Um, I'm really interested to see if Cleveland have worked with DTR over the last few weeks where he had that start, wasn't successful, brought PJ Walker in because they're not going to be able to win games and score points with PJ Walker. I think that they need to try and put things on the on the rookie from... Um, where did he come from? I think he was Cal, wasn't he? Um, they need to put it on the rookie quarterback because he had a great preseason. I mean, he essentially was the reason Joshua Dobbs was traded away to the Arizona Cardinals because... They were really happy with his play in the preseason. They thought that he was a great um, option to back up uh, Deshaun Watson and be comfortable in that respect. Um, you look at Pittsburgh, again, they are all the way behind their their defense and allowing the, the offense to come together bit by bit, trying to get the two-headed um, running attack of Najee Harris and, and uh, Warren together letting Kenny Pickett do some things, but not asking him to do too much. He's really trying to settle into that game manager role. And I think what was interesting is that two uh, the two units that have needed some help in terms of the coordinators, you look at, you talked about San Francisco with their defense, you talk about Pittsburgh with their offense, both uh, coordinators came down onto the field the last couple of weeks and have had a lot more success being down with their players and the communication and everything that goes with it and that's really, really helped them. You saw what the Niners did against Jacksonville and the Steelers really were in a much better situation against the Packers last week because they had that sideline communication both a lot better. Yeah. Um, toward and fourth season in the AFC are both six and three and both, um, I would say they're floating under the radar, but like the Jags obviously had that, we just saw it there with the 49ers and they were dominant. They were last weekend against them. We had the Jags around the Titans this weekend. If they win, it's just seven and three. Results go their way this weekend. They could be back up there in terms of the number one seed. And then you've got the Dolphins coming off the bye week, who, if you look at the Dolphins play over the course of the last four to five weeks, and in particular the, the game in Frankfurt, their defense has written for me has really turned the corner. And because the offense was doing so well for quite a period, but it's kind of stored recently, that was what was getting all the attention. But the Dolphins defense is starting to kind of grab a pace and become a really dominant defense. As we said, they shut the Chiefs down in the second half. There was a turnover, which led to a touchdown by the Chiefs defense. They got hit early in, in Frankfurt with that opening drive, which kind of killed them in a way. And then they, there was short field on, on the second one because of a turnover by the Dolphins' offense. And if you look at the other games of transport, the defense has been so, so dominant at times. Like, when I go into this game, I would expect them to beat the Raiders, you know, later on, on Sunday, on Sunday evening. And the, with the way that we set the vision now was transpired with the way the Bills are kind of falling off of five and five, this probably is the greatest opportunity, I would imagine, for the Dolphins to make the playoffs, obviously, as division winners and potentially even end up being the number one seed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The Bills are in free fall. They've just fired their offensive coordinator. 
it seems like things are going to start coming apart at the seams there, which is really unfortunate when you think about the run that they've had. Look at the Jets and Aaron Rodgers. Are they going, is he going to come back to a playoff caliber team? Um, the New England Patriots are in a position where Bill Belichick could be released. What a crazy thing to say after the last 25 years. Um, so yeah, it, it is Miami's uh, division for the for the takers. So there's a home game kind of wrapped up. I think the Raiders could be a little bit of a banana skin because Antonio Pierce has all of a sudden really reinvigorated that team and they're, they're having fun and they're playing for each other. And the one thing that Miami can't deal with is pressure. We've seen that if, if Tua has, uh, has pressure, he's off his first reads, they take away that RPO game, you play a lot of man and you play it successfully. All of a sudden, they're going to struggle. Um, and that's what we've seen in their losses this, this year. We've obviously seen in their wins when when it all clicks, that offense can be a juggernaut. But their defense is really strong. Their pass game is really strong. But it's that front five that's really going to make it or break it for them when you think the fact that they lost against Philadelphia with a really strong front, lost to Kansas with a really strong front, lost to Buffalo, obviously, when they were um, being looked at as... Uh, really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah they, were, they were flying high um, and were bringing the pressure as well. That's going to be the thing that really impacts them. And, and you have a quick look at um, what's coming up for them down the slate. It's the last one games of Ritter, the last three games. Yeah. Yes, the next Cowboys. one, two, three, four, five are good. But then, yeah, then it's Dallas, Baltimore, Buffalo. So they could be quite comfortably in with a fourth seed, third or fourth seed um, by that time. And then it's a real way of seeing how they're going to prepare themselves for the playoffs. Some very uh, interesting games this weekend. Some very interesting games to build to come over the course of the next month and obviously as we get into the Christmas period. I never asked you this at the start of the season, but I am going to ask you now, and uh, and I'll be holding you to this. Who's playing in the Super Bowl in Vegas as we close out this show? Who do you think right now will be the two teams representing the AFC and the NFC? Putting you on the spot. You didn't see this one coming tonight. Did you? Did I? I, I don't think you... I don't think I put a, a prediction in the, at the start. No, no, he did. That's why I'm going to nail you to the mask now. As we hit week 11. As we oh, that's it. Yeah, we're what? We're, uh, we're, we're 10 weeks in and now I get to predict it. And your cycle size for you to make a decision on now. Yeah, three months down the line. Um, NFC side, I would go with San Francisco. I think that it'll be a San Francisco-Philadelphia championship game. And I just think that if Debo and all of the weapons are healthy... San Francisco should go to the the big game again. So that would be my NFC pick. Uh, AFC, I would be going with the Ravens because if they can figure out how to stop losing games where they're comfortably ahead, then this team is a juggernaut. I, I think Lamar is having an MVP season. He's got the offensive weapons. They've got these fantastic running backs that have stepped up after J.K. Dobbins went down. Their defense is playing really well under Mike McDonald. And yeah, I, I I think that's what the uh, what the matchup will be. I think it will be nine as Ravens come the Super Bowl. What what would your what was yours? What would you go for? Um, at the start of the season, at our live show, and when we did our season predictions, I went for the Chiefs to face the 49ers, and I'm comfortable still with that with that pick. I think um, I think the Chiefs find a way to navigate that first seed, off, whether the offense kicks in or not. And then, as you know, if you're going to Arrowhead in the playoffs, it's a really difficult game, and I think already the Bengals have found a way to get out of there with, with victories in the playoffs. Um, so I'll stick with that. Um, I was just 
you go with the Ravens 49ers, it quickly brings you back to Super Bowl 47, I believe, which was... Yeah, the blackout the, game. The blackout game. Third of February 2013. So we're not far, we're 10 years on from that particular, that game, obviously it'll be 2024 by the time the Super Bowl comes yeah. around. Doesn't seem that long ago since those two played. Obviously, teams of teams and players have gone in very different directions. There, it would be a great Super Bowl if, if we were to get that game to see them out. That, that, no, it's thinking that John Marble was the, the the Ravens coach then, and the Niners have gone through in Chip Kelly, and then come round to Kyle Shanahan as well. I think I've missed out a coach as well. I think there was one in between Jim Marble and Chip Kelly as well. So yeah, they've come full circle and gone really down to the bottom and then come straight back up again so crazy kind of turnaround but yeah that that's what my pick would be yeah and and, and a woody pick right now i have to say i, I like i like the sound of that game that sounds like a really i think if, if you were to offer a lot of people the ravens 49 Super Bowl today as we hit week 11 i think most people would sign up for that in las vegas come february andrew i really enjoyed his uh his content i don't know you are thursday night football preview it was nice to get away from that and do something different like we were doing in the off season so Glad to have your company as always. Looking back to getting back to uh, um, our Thursday Night Football preview next week, which will be Thanksgiving. So you have a jam-packed episode to prepare for next week. Definitely three games to cover um, next week. Andrew, as always, yeah. appreciate, appreciate your company and time. Not a problem. Looking forward to it. See you next week.